This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. My name is uh, Daniel Atlanga, and um, I've lived here in Lubbock, I guess, uh, since we were 19. We're about um, 57. And this is my wife. I'll let her introduce herself. My name is Deva Verlanka, and uh, I too have been here for 38 years. We actually met in Sunday school class when we were five years old. It's been a blessing. Uh, God is good. Uh, sometimes I think um, when I hear other people testify, we don't have a, a real uh, exciting testimony. But then the other flip side is, you know, God has been good to us all our lives, and We've been blessed to be um, growing, growing in the church, and um, it's something that as parents we, we should strive for our children to raise them in the church. Prayer has been something that uh, has always been in my life as a child. In church, when we, it was a small church, so um, there was no children's church, so we were in the sanctuary when I did the altar call for everyone to come to the altar. Uh, families would encourage their children to go to the altar and we would pray and we would have a uh, a real you know relationship with the Lord and uh, I, I was blessed to see uh, enter a room a bedroom or the living room and I would get to see my dad and my mom in their knees praying so prayer was handed up you know shown that uh, we needed to pray and the same thing with me you know and to uh, the girls were able to see me on my knees praying also, and it's something that they practice too, so it's something that we've learned all of our lives. Uh, growing up in the church, um, uh, we would uh, constantly see prayer in, in different areas of our lives. Uh, we'd see it in church, uh, of course, and then we'd also uh, see it in our, in our homes. Uh, I remember you know, just uh, whenever my parents or our families would go through a crisis or a problem, we would, um, or I would see my parents say, well, we have to pray. Uh, and that was something that was deeply ingrained in me, that, um, you know, in all circumstances, um, we need to turn to prayer. Because um, not only during crisis, but I remember uh, during times at Christmas or at family gatherings, there was always time for prayer, and uh, I remember either my parents or uncles or somebody um, within the family uh, giving thanks to God in, in those special occasions. Prayer is uh, talking to God, and God always hears us. Um, there's a scripture in First Thessalonians, I think 5.17, that says, uh, pray continuously. So we should always pray. Uh, and it also says, I believe, in all circumstances. So um, I, I try to, or I've tried to show, to show my children and my grandchildren that um, prayer isn't an option as a believer, that it's something that we need to do every day uh, in order to have a, a living relationship with the Lord. Uh, and it's something that's available to us at any time, whether it's uh, a crisis or whether... Uh, it's a time of, of joy. Uh, of, I've experienced that prayer is always there and, and God is always there. And uh, that's, that's something awesome. Prayer, when I pray, um, that allows me to um, 
sustain my walk. Prayer brings um, joy when I need the joy in my life. Prayer brings peace when I need peace in my life. But um, the thing that I uh, love most about prayer is that I get a chance to get into the presence of God and feel His love. And, um, you know, that happened to me, I guess, a few years back when I had a stroke and um, death came, death was all upon me. But um, I was praying and I was in, I was ushered into the presence of the Lord of God. And, and that was the most wonderful experience in my life. So I know that prayer is, is something that the Lord has left for us. And it's a wonderful thing. Uh, here at uh, Faith Christian Family Church, um, I, I just enjoy how we are able to worship. We have a freedom to pray. Prayer in my life means everything. I am who I am because of the relationship I have with with Jesus Christ as, um, through the power of prayer. And uh, we have loved and enjoyed serving in the church with Faith Christian Family Church because it's a church of prayer. Uh, Pastor Stormy you, uh, urges people, pray, pray. And um, I just wouldn't live life without prayer. He would have. There was no way that I could change my life if I didn't have prayer in my life. What a heritage right there. Well, if you caught some of the things Pastor Danny Mistella said, just as far as that prayer was ingrained in them at an early age. And maybe it wasn't ingrained in you at an early age, but it's not too late to start, okay? God wants to stir that up, and it's very important. If you need a Bible, grab, uh, raise your hand up real high. Raise it up real high, and then turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Now, as you're turning to Matthew 26, in Psalm 50, 15, it says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. What an invitation. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. And so right there, what, what the Lord is saying to each one of us, that we have the opportunity to pray to the Creator of all. We have the opportunity to go to the very throne room of grace. And so this morning, I want you to understand, guys, prayer is not a punishment. Prayer is a privilege. And so we want to teach you some truths today that I believe will get on the inside of you. You know, if you've ever been to a doctor and, and he used a little rubber mallet and popped you on your knee, what happened? Instinctively, your knee reacted. Well, I believe it's the way that prayer ought to be in our lives. When our lives have situations and circumstances that come, the first thing I should do is my spiritual reflex should be, I'm going to pray. Not that I, I should pray. But I must pray. And I know in Psalm fifty fifteen it says, Call on me in the day of trouble. Understand this. The only time that I pray shouldn't just be in trouble, okay? It should be every day of my life I should learn to pray and get in the presence of God. Now, to do that, it's going to take discipline. You're going to have to discipline your, your life. And we're going to look here about even how Jesus did that. But one Old Testament reference was Daniel. And I don't know if you remember in Daniel 6 that Daniel, his custom was to pray morning, noon, and night. Now, I think about that morning, noon, and night. You know what I think he knew? That most of us in this room 
We eat morning, noon, and night. So as if Daniel was saying, you know what? If I can feed my physical man food morning, noon, and night, what about learning to pray morning, noon, and night? And it became a discipline of his. Now, I want you to see here today that prayer was a discipline of Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. Now, prayer was essential for Jesus himself. Verse 39, same chapter. He went a little farther and fell on his face, prayed, saying, O my Father. So here he is again, reference to praying. Now, look what he does next in verse 41. And this is a, a word to the disciples. He said, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So he's telling me and you even that if I don't learn to watch, to be alert, and to pray, there's a good possibility that I'm going to fall into some form of temptation. So prayer, he's warning us, is essential for every one of us. And then in verse 44, So he left them, went again, and he prayed the third time. Now this was Jesus. And if prayer sustained Jesus, and prayer strengthened Jesus, What about me and you? And we can go and look over and over Jesus' life. He had disciplined himself to go into the mountains to pray. He would get away with the Lord over and over and over. So I believe he was saying, listen, I modeled prayer in my life. What about you? Let's go back to, to Matthew 6. Back to your left just a little bit. Matthew 6. Now, this is a passage that Many of us can quote, this is better referenced as the Lord's Prayer. So let's just read this in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. And I believe Jesus was giving us some guidelines to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So if we go back and we begin to look at it, the first thing that Jesus does here, he says, Our Father. Our Father. And when I look at that, he's referring to Father God But it was more than just to me and you. Yeah, we should have a relationship with Him as our Father. But He's more than just our Father. He's got a lot of kids. And so it's in relation to a big, big family. And if we were to read that in the King James Version, four times it would say our, four times it would say us, and one time it would say we. Our Father. A person. A real spirit that we get the opportunity to pray to. And then he said, Hallowed be thy name. Now that word Hallowed is in a precept to worship. When we say Hallowed be thy name, it's like great honor. It should be such an honor that we can go before Father God. Now when we talk about the word Hallowed, the, the meaning of the word Hallowed is sanctification. 
The word sanctification here for, for the Lord has two meanings. Number one in sanctified is there is no other God. He is the only God. I am that I am. And a lot of people would say, well, there's a lot of different ways to, to God. No, there's one way. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And I realize in our society right now, there's a thing out called coexist. When you read the B-I-B-L-E, there is no coexistence. There's one God. And God has separated Himself and He said, that's me. That's me, okay? Now, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings here. But just read the Bible and you'll find out. In Deuteronomy 6, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. The second area of sanctification here is, is he's been sanctified, set apart from all evil. Okay? There is no evil in Father God. Zero. Zilch. None. Okay? For, for him and for us to know that, guys, it's a big deal. So what happens a lot of times when it comes to prayer, we don't pray at all or we pray very little because our image of Father God isn't very good. And a lot of times the reason our image of Father God isn't very good is because of our earthly fathers. Now, if you were raised with a godly earthly father, bless you, that's, that's awesome. And I realize a lot of people in our society aren't. And so they look at their earthly father as angry, as mad, as abusive, as he didn't have anything to do with me. Okay? And if I'm not careful, this overlaps into how we view Father God. And so to have a good image of Father God is essential in having a good prayer life. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And what my goal is here through the Bible is to let you know we serve a good God. Now, a lot of people, they view God as mean, Jesus is good, and the Holy Spirit is weird. Now, let me clarify that for you. God is good, Jesus is good, and the Holy Spirit isn't weird. You know who's weird? People. People. And so if you ever see a clip on TV of people doing weird stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit, and you see a preacher saying, that's why you don't want the Holy Spirit around, because if the Holy Spirit comes around, you're going to do a bunch of weird stuff. That's a lie, okay? The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman, and he does everything decently and in order, okay? That's the Holy Spirit I know. Now, that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but we need to clarify that, okay? It's a big deal. Go with me to the book of John, chapter 8. And let's, let's see if we can help our image of God today. And I believe these scriptures will. I think God's going to get on the inside of you today and, and change your image. John, chapter 8. Let's begin in verse 38. If you'll notice red-letter words, Jesus speaking here. And he said, I speak what I have seen with my Father. In other words, you know what Jesus is telling him? The things I do is I'm just imitating my father. And he says, and you do what you have seen or you have heard with your father. So right here, Jesus is saying, for every one of us, 
we're going to act like our Father. Now, in this passage here, you're going to see that there's two fathers. Really? Yeah, there's two. Father God and Father the devil, okay? The Bible will prove this out. Keep reading here with me, verse 39. They answered and said to Jesus, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works or you would act like Abraham. In other words, you would have the same characteristics of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Do you know what he's telling him here? Abraham didn't want to kill anybody. Murder was not in his heart. So where is this coming from for you guys? Verse 41. You do the deeds or the imitating of your father. They said to him, we are not born fornication or illegitimate. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. Beloved, let us love one another. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. So one of the characteristics of a son or daughter of God is we're full of the love of God. And we're not full of the love of God? That's not good. Keep reading. So he said, For I proceeded forth, and I came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. Now, can you imagine being sitting there when Jesus said this? And He's addressing these religious fellows. That's who they were. They had a smell of religion on them. And Jesus just point blank looks at him and says, You were of your father, the devil. That rocked you a little bit. It rocked me. And so look at this. And the desires of your father you want to do. So really here, he's telling us, you practice the characteristics of your father, the devil. How is that? He was a murderer from the beginning. Who was? The devil. So if I have the characteristic of murder at all in my heart, if you have the thought, I want to kill him, understand that comes from the devil, okay, guys? That's not from Father God. Where's that in the Bible? John 10.10. The thief, the devil, comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. So he said he was a murderer. Look what he goes on to say next. And he does not stand in the truth. He does not stand it. So the, the devil's nature is consistent. Stealing, killing, and destroying. What's the opposite of the truth? He lies. Now look what he goes on to say next. Jesus' words. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and he is the father of it. This is the devil, okay? Now understand this about Father God. This is, this is a Titus 1-2. God cannot lie. God is incapable of lying. So you know what that tells me? Everything about Father God is truth. He doesn't change, okay? That's Malachi 3-6. He said, I do not change. 
And so anytime we begin to look here at, at the things that come from the devil, I'm going to have his characteristics if he's my father. And any thought that you ever have that contradicts the word of God or contradicts the character of God, understand it's from the devil. He's been a liar forever. He wants to lie. Go way back into the New Testament, right after Hebrews to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Now, where we're headed with this, guys, is we've got to settle some of this today because it'll change your prayer life. And the goal is here is for you to understand the character of Father God. James 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted or enticed, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. In no way or no regard, okay? Understand this. When it comes to evil, God's incapable. It cannot happen. And I know a lot of times in our mind, we, we get stumped with that word incapable. But this is who Father God is, okay? No form of evil in Him. No form of darkness at all. And then He goes on to say, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. So when you look at this, and read this, guys, anything that's evil does not come from God. So if it doesn't come from God, where does it come from? It comes from the devil. He's going to try to stump every one of us with temptation. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So what he's talking about here is is when inner desire responds to outward enticement, sin is birth or sin is spawned, okay? And he goes on to say here in verse 15, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. And so when you look at all this, the temptation of sin is from the devil. He's going to try to get every one of us to buy that. God is not going to tempt you with evil. He does not. Now, I understand right now that within the church, the word sin is politically incorrect. You hear more and more more people say, we shouldn't even talk about sin in church. Well, it's awfully funny the Bible mentions it. I believe we have to address sin in our life, every one of us. And I'm no different than you and you're no different than me. That every one of us are going to be tempted with, with sin. And if I ever give in to sin, you know what I must learn to do? I must to learn to, to rise up and not make excuses for it. I must not try to shift the blame on other people, okay? You know what that means? I must learn to take responsibility for sin in my life. The only one that did that is the devil enticed me, he baited me, and I took the bait. Now, one of the biggest cop-outs within the church right now is a thing called judgment. Don't you judge me. Don't. It's amazing how many times in a week I hear that. Don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. Well, do you know in the, in the communion elements in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28... Jesus said, if you would examine yourself, if you would judge yourself, 
And so right here, he's telling us, I got to examine myself of what? Of sin. And when I miss it, I need to repent of it. I need to confess it, okay? This is a big deal right now. You know, the Bible's very clear that says you'll be known by your fruit. A lot of times when people look at you, they're not judging you. They just see the fruit in your life. If you're a liar, what's the fruit of your life? You're a liar. It's not so much as we're judging people. It's the fruit in our life. I don't know why I got off on that, but anyhow. So what am I telling us there? When you look at this, the temptation to sin is not from God. So we go to the very next verse, verse 16. Do not be deceived or thrown off course, my beloved brethren, believers. Don't be misled. You can fall into sin, but understand this. Sin didn't come from God. Now look at verse number 17. This is good right here. Every good gift. How many? Every. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. I want you to get a hold of this because this will give you an image of God. What's God about? Good and perfect. And any time light and goodness are mentioned together in the New Testament, it talks about God. That's who God is. So in your life, when good and perfect starts happening, understand, that's from Father God. And He's a good Father. Now look what He goes on to say here in the end of verse 17. With whom there is no variation, changing, or shadow of turning. Remember, I quoted earlier, Malachi 3.6 says God doesn't change. Do you know what God doesn't do? He doesn't wake up one morning and say, you know what, I've decided to do just the opposite of what I've said. God never looks down at us and says, hey, hey, sorry, I had my fingers crossed. I really didn't mean it. God doesn't change, okay? And so, good and perfect is who God is. From now on. Forever. So once we begin to understand this, guys, it begins to change how I view God. Okay? You know, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, His thoughts toward you are that of good or peace and not evil. Even God's thoughts toward you aren't that of evil. And so we've got to get away from the thought that God doesn't like me. That God's just waiting. He looks at you like a golf ball and God's just waiting to tee you up. No, He's not. And God's not just got a, a fly swatter in His hand and He wants to swat you from Lubbock right down to the gulf. No, He's not. Good and perfect. Okay? Now, since we've got that established here today, turn back just a couple of pages. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Let's put a little bit more icing on how God is. And it'll change your image. Verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said... I will never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you, Father God. Now, you've got to receive that, okay? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I, I do believe this, that a lot of us in this room, you may have a hard time believing that. You know why? Because you had an earthly father that skipped out on you. 
God's not going to skip out, okay? I will never leave you nor forsake you. So once you get that truth embedded on the inside of you, look what happens in verse 6. So we may boldly say, we may respond with a declaration of confidence. Boldly. Boldly, boldly, boldly. You know why I can come in boldly? Because I know His character. He wants us to come in boldly. You know, I'm, I'm 53 years old right now. And when I go to my parents' house, I still come in boldly. I come in boldly. You know what? And I go to my mom's house in Clovis. I never have asked my mom, do you mind if I get in the refrigerator? I just come boldly in. You know what? I'm part of the family. This is exactly how Father God wants us to be. And growing up, you know, I, I didn't have an abundance growing up. I had a home. I had food. I had shelter. And I had a good house. And everything that my father had, it's like, here it is. It's yours. It's yours. I believe that's how Father God wants us to see. Now, I want you to look back just a couple more pages to Hebrews 4. I want to show you one more here to let this get on the inside of us today. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us, believers, me and you, therefore, come boldly. Now, that, that word boldly, come boldly, there literally means without reservation. Once again, what an invitation. God's saying come boldly. Now, note here, guys. He didn't say, come with your head down and low and, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm a loser. I'm a... No, that's not what he said. He said, come boldly, how? To the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy. You know what mercy's for? For your past. And we may find grace for the present and the future to help in the time of need. Do you know what Father God's saying? I want you to come boldly. And I want you to begin to ask me for help. I want you to ask me for mercy. I want you to ask for grace. I believe God just on standby looking from heaven saying, I'm just waiting for you guys to ask. I'm waiting for you guys to call out. See how God operates? Is we must give God permission to move in our lives. How does that happen? Through prayer. And you say, I don't understand that. Well... Think about this. Does God desire it for everybody to be saved? Absolutely. But how do you get saved? You ask Jesus to come into your heart. You must ask. It's the same in prayer. I've got to get over and I've got to start asking Him. Let me, let me throw a verse out here that will help you. Luke 11 verse 13 says, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children... I want to stop right there. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, there's a lot of moms and dads in here. There's a lot of grandparents in here. And you know what? Every one of us in this room, we want to give good gifts to our children. So this is what he's saying. Even you, though, being evil, know how to give good gifts. You know what the evil part is? We're sinners. He said, but how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
Now, I know in that verse it's talking about receiving the Holy Spirit, but I want you to think about this in natural life. I want to be good to my kids. I want to bless my kids. And I know that's the heart of every one of you in here that are parents or grandparents. I wanted to be good to my kids, and I want to spoil my grandkids. I want to be that good to them. But how much more? And so when Father God kicks in, it's multiplying. He says, I want to be good to you. Really good to you. But you've got to begin to come around me. You've got to begin to ask me. And the way that happens is when I change my image of Father God and I realize God likes me. He likes you. How do you know that? Well, Psalms 139 says that He wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created every one of us. And wondrous are His works in your life and my life. You know what I can tell you right now about Father God? There's not one of you in this room that's an oops. What's that, Pastor? Well, think about that. How many of you have ever heard when someone was born, they looked at you and said, He was a mistake. He's an oops. Now, in God's eyes, you're not an oops. He knew who you were. Understand, you're a child of God, and He's our Father. And He loves us. Now, here's the the icing on the cake. Go way back to the right there, to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. If you've gone to Revelation, you've gone too far. If you've gone to Peter, you're getting really close. You're getting warmer. 1 John 5. Verse 13. I'm going to tell you guys, get ready. You're getting ready to get blessed here. Let the Word of God teach you. Let this get on the inside of you today, okay? Verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. What's the name of the Son of God? Jesus. Okay? And what did He say? Those who believe. So there's an element of faith right here. And then look what He goes on to say. That you may know that you have eternal life. There's a lot of people that hope they have eternal life. But if you read that passage right there, John didn't say that you would hope if you had eternal life. What did he say? That you would know. How can I know? Man, I get that in my heart through faith. I'm going to tell you right now, my heart, I'm going to heaven. How do you know that? Because I received Jesus as Lord of my life. If I was to check out of here today, don't feel sorry for me. Some of you can say, well, that rat pastor, he's up there in heaven hanging around with the angels. He's up there with Timothy and the boys. That's a good thing, okay? But the point is here that you may know. That you may know. See, that's what God wants every one of us as His children to get this embedded in our I know, I'm going to heaven. Now, this ties into prayer, okay? So look what he goes on to say. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may continue to have faith in the name of the Son of God. Why would I need to continue to have faith in the Son of God? I believe a lot of this, guys, ties directly into prayer. So you know what he's telling me? Even when it comes to prayer, there's the element of faith that I'm going to have to believe, okay? When I pray to Father God, I pray, I mean, He hears me. He hears me. How do you know that? Well, let's keep reading here. Verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That we, if we ask anything according to His will, 
He hears us. How do I know that I'm asking according to His will? I align my prayers with His Word. Anytime you want to know what the will of God is, just read the Word of God. And anytime I can find in this book right here where it's written, I can always tell the devil, here's my title deed. I got Scripture and verse 4. So anytime you can find in your Bible the written Word of God or the rhema, the spoken Word of God, when you pray in line with the Word of God, what did it say He said? He hears us. He hears us. God doesn't sit up in heaven with His ears folded over and say, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. God's listening, okay? And He's on go. He's just waiting for ones that will step out in faith. Keep reading. And look at verse 15. And if we know, not if we hope, but if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. So I go back to what He started with and what did He say? That you can know where you'll spend eternity at. How many of you in this room know where you're going to spend eternity at? I'm all in, man. Everything I got, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven, okay? But even when we get to prayer, what did He say? We can have that same assurance. Ooh, I know. I know. Why? Because I prayed according to His Word. Now, here's what I found out about prayer. When it comes to prayer being answered, there's three answers. Yes, no, and later. Really? Yeah. Is there times in your life God will tell you no? Absolutely. Because Father God knows best. So you know what? Even when God says no to me, I've got to get back over and trust Father God that He knows best. What would be a scenario that Father God wouldn't answer one of my prayers? Well, i got a grandson that's eight years old. And if he came to me and said, Poppy, I want a, I want a gun for Christmas. And so I buy him this gun as an eight-year-old, and I wrap it, and he pulls it out, and it's a three fifty-seven Magnum. Do you think that would be a good gift? No, he'd put a cap in his little sister's rear of the first shot. Why? He's not mature enough to handle it. And so a lot of times we think that with Father God. Why is He not giving me this? Because He knows as He gives you certain things or He gives me certain things, I can't handle it. It twists me. I'm not mature enough to handle it. But understand this, the Bible is very clear. With God, all things are possible. So there may be times in your life, it may not happen immediately. Did that mean He didn't hear it? No, it said We will have the confidence we can know that He hears us. There's things in my life that I've been praying about for over 20 years. You know what I realize? I must not be able to handle that just yet or God would have already given it to me. And I go back to this and I think, do I trust God in this area? Do I trust Him? And so here's the deal when it comes to prayer. Man, you can come in with a confidence. You can come in with a boldness. And when we begin to pray in the name of Jesus and according to His Word, stuff begins to happen. And I remember as a a 20-year-old, guys, you've got to understand, 
I didn't, I didn't know the, the, the slightest about prayer when I'm 20 years old. Actually, prayer intimidated me. And I got around a guy who every time I'd get around him, he'd say, this is the thought the Lord put in my heart. And it was like he was reading my mail. He always had fresh news right on the front page of his heart. And I began to realize, this guy prays all the time. He prays. So I began to hang out with him. And it revolutionized my life, guys. I love to pray. I love to come in here and lift you guys up and lift the church up and lift my... And, and it's, it's a joy. And this is what happened. Number one, when I allow God to change my image of who He is. I, and He wants to bless all of us. He wants us to come and pray. He wants us to come and hang out with Him. You know, in the natural, I like going around my earthly father. I like hanging out with my dad right now. He's almost 80 years old. I love to hang out with him. Because he's still good to me. It's the same as Father God. He loves when we say, Father God, I just want to hang out with you. And at times, some of the worst things we can do is just always asking, Father, Father, give me, 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 give me. How do you feel as a natural parent when they come in there? Give me, give me, give me. Shut up. Give me, give me, give me. Now, God's not that way, okay? I don't want you to get that idea. But yet, so many times, man, it's all about what are you going to do for me? What are you going to give me? One of the greatest revelations in my whole life was when I began to pray for someone other than me. You want to get a prayer life? When you start praying for other people, and you start saying, Whoa, God, you're moving in their life. You're moving. That's, that's the God's desire. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.